You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. Grace is a term that appears in the New Testament 155 times. Pretty important, isn't it? The Greek term grace basically means a generous benefit given a favor bestowed. There are a couple of different viewpoints about grace out there. And imagine this, being out in a large body of water, let's say the ocean, and you are in that body of water, and you're trying to pedal and swim to stay afloat. And you're offered... A life jacket that you could put on and that would keep you afloat. So you put this on, buckle it up, and you can stay afloat in that large body of water. But then, because you did something wrong that caused you to be in that body of water, you've sinned, God says, You don't deserve this grace anymore. Give it back. You can't have it. See, that's the legalistic view of grace. Another view of grace would be you're out there swimming in that water and the Lord offers you grace. And you say, I don't need it right now, Lord. I got this on my own. But as you tread along and all of a sudden... You're panicking because you can't sustain yourself on that water. Lord, I I need your grace now. You see, different way of looking at grace. Justin, I'm ready for that video. So to me, grace is one of those things that at 28 years old when I was born again, when the Lord came into my life, It's something that started in me a journey to help understand what God's grace is all about. My whole life growing up, I had heard that term grace, uh, but I never really thought too much about it or really uh, didn't experience it until 28 years old. Ever since then, I've been on a journey to help me understand God's grace a little bit more. I'll never and, and none of us will ever truly fully understand God's grace until we're with him in heaven. But for me, it it started this journey of helping to understand what does grace look like? And we don't have to look any further than the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is grace in human form. He is mercy. He is love personified to you and I. And grace is one of those things that, again, I'm along that journey right now, as we all are, to help us understand God's grace towards us just a little bit better. We are redeemed. We're justified. So to me, grace is one of by grace. It's something that we don't earn, but it's given to us. As we walk through life, I don't think we fully appreciate every day that we have that we're redeemed that we're saved from the evil that goes on in this world. We're sanctified by grace. And we're not able to earn our way to spiritual maturity. We depend on God's grace 
to guide us to spiritual maturity. Our glorification in the future when we are in heaven is the work of God's grace. And when we get to heaven, the fullness of His grace will be poured out on us. See, grace is not something in which just is given to us at salvation. It is eternal. Grace is something in which God has given us, something we don't deserve. We receive grace because we believe in Jesus Christ. And we're made worthy by the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross and Him walking out of a tomb. That makes us worthy to receive God's grace for eternity. And we won't see the fullness of all that grace bestowed on us until we get to heaven and we see Jesus Christ. It's in His favor. It's His blessing. All right, Justin. I was in my early 40s before I really began to grasp God's grace. I had tried all my life to do everything that I thought mattered to God. I tried to do this, I tried to go by all the rules, and I just couldn't do it. I was burdened always thinking, I can't do this, I can't do enough. And I, looking back, I realized that I really had no joy in my salvation. And then one day, God showed me something. I read 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I had read it multiple times over my life, but this time when I read it, it was like I read it for the first time. And it says, my grace is enough for you, Susan. My grace is sufficient for you. And as I began to understand that more and more, I was just so relieved to know that I didn't have to be perfect, that it wasn't up to me, that God's grace covers all my imperfections and all my sins, no matter what. Now, as I was thinking about grace this week, I thought about a hymn that we sang when I was younger, and the hymn was written over 100 years ago. And some of the words go like this, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. And I realize now I have joy in my salvation because God's grace is really enough for me. Second Corinthians 12 verse 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Other versions say, my grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This passage is in direct opposition to a prosperity gospel. See, this message is talking about suffering. That our weakness is where God shows His power. And as Susan was talking about there, my grace is enough. How do we answer the question? How does grace deliver us through times of adversity, times of darkness? How does grace fit in there? You see, we typically say bad things happen to good people. Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? 
Why does God allow this to happen if he loves us so much? And this happens to be one of the biggest obstacles to many Christians in their faith. This makes progress in growing in our faith or movement in our faith very difficult. Or, in the case of many believers, impossible because they get hung up on that. And unbelievers would say, how would a God of love allow cancer, allow disease, allow famine, allow war? And all this evil that's going on around us. It's difficult to grasp the understanding of a loving God in the midst of all this suffering. And this is the way many people think. You know, if only bad things happen to bad people, that'd be a great incentive to do right. Wouldn't it? Think about the dark times in your life, the most difficult. Did it challenge your view of God? Why? Because you don't expect bad things. Our expectation as believers is that we want God to fix whatever is going wrong. And we want to fix it now. Remove this difficulty from me, God. Heal my disease. Fix my finances. Make my job better. Make my marriage better. And sometimes sometimes God does that in our life. And sometimes He doesn't. So when God does not remove the difficulty, does not remove the bad, what do we do? How are we to think How do we process that? And what are we to learn from it? Now, I'm going to present something here that only us older people probably know about. But here is a photograph. And this is a negative. (laughs) I had to go search. We don't throw anything away. I had a whole uh, manila envelope full of negatives. But what's the negative? You take the negative and you put it through a process and the picture is printed out, correct? So this is a picture of Nathan and our youngest daughter when she graduated from high school. So it's, it's an old picture. She's 39 years old. And... And in that picture, the things are in proper perspective, right? It's what, when you take the picture, this is what we expect it to turn out like, correct? But the negative, things that are supposed to be light or dark, and things that are dark are light. Okay, you got that? The picture is what we expect. This is not what we expect to have as a finished product. But that's our life. The negative is the exact opposite of what we want it to be. And to understand the process, you, have, you can get a manual of photography and it explains how all this works. But see, the Bible is our manual. It tells us how negatives are turned into positives. 
So think about your life. Your life is the printed photo. And God imprints his image on your life. And some of your life is filled with positive experiences and you're blessed through those. Then there's negative experiences that your life has. But if allowed to, God can take the negative and turn it into positive. Romans 8, 28, Paul wrote this. As we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That was a verse that most of my life, I didn't want to hear it. That was one of those things that, to me, was an oxymoron. God causes everything to work together for good? Are you serious? Yes, he does. He takes the negative and turns it into a positive for those who trust in him. So, now we talk about the Apostle Paul. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And by the way, when I asked Susan to give her testimony about grace, she had no idea what I was preaching on. So we're in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4. Paul was a righteous servant. He had given his entire life after his conversion to God, and he did exactly what Jesus asked him to do. Yet Paul is going to talk about some things here that we want to read about. Look at verse 1. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I'm, I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I do not know. It only God knows. Now, at this point, there's an entire lesson that could be taught about his vision of the third heaven. We're not going there. There's not enough time. Y'all don't want to be here for two days. So we're going to cover things about grace. But notice he's, he's talking about something that happened to him 14 years ago. He didn't immediately go tell about this vision that he had when it happened. It, time has passed. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. I wanted to boast. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I'll be telling the truth. But I won't because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they see in my life or hear my message. Paul describes this mysterious event with not a whole lot of detail. He can't relate things that he said, excuse me, he saw. And he's talking about himself in the third person, which was quite common, a way of uh, which rabbis would teach at that time. But this wasn't his first vision. He had visions on the road to Damascus in Acts 22. He had a vision of a man from Macedonia in Acts 16. He had an encouraging vision while in Corinth by Christ. And he had a vision of an angel while he was in the shipwreck in Acts 27. And we went through all these in our study of Acts. And all these experiences were positive things in Paul's life. Things that we have benefited from. 
as we read about those. And it encouraged him, but it encourages us as well. But here in verse 7, Paul changes the subject. So look at verse 7. Even though I received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh to prevent me from being exalted above measure. He's telling the real reason of his heavenly vision. And he says that this thorn was given him to keep him from being full of an ego. And we think about this thorn, we're thinking about like a rose thorn or a splinter. But the actual description in the Greek about this thorn is it was a stake. It was like a stake used to hold down a tent. A large piece of wood. And it says... A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. God allowed this thorn to be given to Paul. This torment. And there's a lot of speculation what this ailment was. But God allowed this to happen much in the same way that Satan tormented Job. See, Satan jumped at the opportunity to afflict Paul. Satan had tried to kill Paul many times, influencing the Pharisees. He had been stoned multiple times. He had been beaten. But yet, he wasn't allowed to take Paul's life. Instead, he was allowed to give him a thorn in the flesh, so to speak. So God and Satan both were at work in Paul. But two different angles, Satan wanted to destroy Paul, and God wanted to help Paul. Look at verse 8. Three times, Paul says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Now here we are, we're all in this same boat right here, with something in our life. That we have begged God to take away or fix. See, Paul was praying, and he did exactly what he, t- he teaches in Philippians chapter 4. He says in verse 6 of Philippians 4, Don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace that exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He said, pray about everything, open up your heart, and God will give you peace. He didn't say God was going to fix the problem. He said, God's going to give you peace. I begged the Lord three times. Three times, he said, and nothing happened after praying the third time. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane three times that this cup may pass. In the case of Jesus, God said, no, this is what it has to be. Paul prayed three times for this affliction to be taken from him. And then Paul figured out 
God said, no. I'm not removing it. We, we pray with expectations. And we're told in the scripture to pray for our issues. Good and bad. So when we pray, we expect to be healed. We expect a problem to be fixed. And we ask others to join us in this expectation. We're told to do that in scripture. But sometimes... The answer is no. God will use a negative and turn it into a positive. Pain does something to you. If you have physical pain. I've lived with chronic pain for a decade. And others have dealt with it as well. There are people who have dealt with different types of issues. I, I've been healed of cancer, but not of chronic pain. We all have a thorn in the flesh. We all have something that can torment us. It could be an event in our life that never seems to leave. We all have a thorn in our flesh. Justin? Grace to me is hard to receive on some days. Some days I feel it just flowing over me and I'm so thankful for it. But the reality is, is that it's hard to receive. It is hard to think that it can apply to me. I can see that it applies to others. But if I'm to, to be honest and be, to be frank is that it doesn't always apply to me. And that's such a lie from the evil one. It's such a false statement because we read in God's word and we know that when Jesus went to the cross that he died specifically for me and for you. When he was whipped and he was beaten, uh, I find myself asking which mark was mine? Which, which whip, which scratch, which scar, which, which piece of metal through the skin was mine. Because he went for me. And I know that my face, that my life flashed before his eyes as he was beaten and as he died on that cross for me. Because of the free gift of grace is why I can wrestle with it. And I've been on a journey. I've, 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 heard about grace most of my life, but it wasn't until I was 33 or 34 that I really started to dive into it um, and wrestle with it. And now at almost 37, still wondering, still finding out what it means and what it is, but it's, I have to trust. I have to trust what Jesus did for me. I have to trust what God continues to do in my life. And he has shown me so much grace and so much mercy over the last three years. The grace to me is freedom. Grace is love. Grace is the best thing, the ultimate thing that he can give us. And he gave it to us through his son. So to know grace is to know Jesus. Verse 9, 
Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Paul prayed three times. And the answer he got, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The American Standard says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. So in verse 10, Paul says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul had a response given to him by God. And he said, God tells him, my grace is all you need. God would not remove the thorn, but he would keep, keep giving Paul more and more and more grace. We're looking for relief. And, and that's the human part of us. But his grace is enough. There are two ways of relief. And God said, my power works best in weakness. Here are two ways of relief. It can come by removing the load or by strengthening the shoulder that bears the load. What are we looking for? Can we accept when God says, no, I'm not removing this but I'm going to give you more grace to deal with it. You see, it's hard, it was hard for Paul and it was hard for us to believe that God's grace is sufficient until we see that we are so insufficient. We can't do it on our own. Charles Spurgeon said this, Great tribulation brings out the great strength of God If you never feel inward conflicts and sinking of soul, you do not know how much the upholding power of God. You do not know much of the upholding power of God. Oh, there must be weakness of man felt recognized and mourned over, or else the strength of the Son of God will never be perfected in us. Without conflict, without problems in our life, we wouldn't appreciate the power of God. So how does God's grace make the difference? How does it meet my needs at this point? The point when I have darkness in my life, I have tribulation. See, here's the first one. Grace meets our needs because it expresses God's acceptance and pleasure in us. See, when we receive His grace, we are in His favor. We are receiving blessing from Him. And that makes God happy. Two, grace can meet our needs because it's available all the time. It's not like giving the life jacket and taking it back. Grace is there all the time. When we sin or we fail as believers... It does not put us outside the reach of God's grace. God doesn't snatch His grace away from us because we fail. He wants to give more. 
You say, what do you mean? He wants to give us more of Jesus. He wants to give us more love. He wants to give us more patience. He wants to give us peace. It's not about removing the thorn. It's about giving us strength to deal with whatever that thorn is in our life. Giving us more grace. And when we come to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ, His grace is always there to meet us. Three, grace can meet our needs because it is the very strength of God. The very strength of God. He shows His power to us through His grace. God does not cause bad things to happen to His children. We live in a cruel world. And the Bible tells us that the prince of the power of the air is circling around on this earth and his demons to cause conflict and problems. He doesn't cause bad things to happen, but he doesn't prevent them either. In fact, he uses them. So here is a transformational statement I want to make as we close. If you can grasp and wrap your head around this, it, it can change your outlook on life when dealing with problems. When we suffer, when we suffer, we showcase the grace of God. Let me say that again. When we suffer, we showcase the grace of God. We show God's grace and the resiliency of God's grace in our lives. That separates how Christians think to the world, or unbelievers think. My grace is sufficient for you. Our lives reveal and show God's grace. How we deal with the thorn that we have in our life. How we deal with that, we're showing that either we are full of God's grace, and we are dealing with it, because he has given us strength to shoulder the load. Or we don't. If we start blaming God. Then we're not showing his grace. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. When are we closer to him? When do we rely more on God? When everything's going great? We tend to get comfortable there, don't we? But when adversity comes, we turn to Him. And He's there waiting to extend more grace. Let's pray. I ask the worship team to make their way up here. After we pray, we're going to sing a song. And it's time, if you are ready to release that thorn that you have going on in your life, and God, your grace is enough. This is the morning to come up and let us pray with you about this. If not, raise your hand and somebody will come to you. But this is the morning to be able to 
release this burden and say, God, I've prayed multiple times about this, and I understand right now you're saying no. You can continue praying about it. But help me, Lord, to deal with this. Give me the strength to shoulder the load of this thorn. Let's pray. Father God, if anyone here this morning is moved by your word, that your grace is all we need, Father, they're ready to release this burden of trying to shoulder this on their own and not understanding why you don't answer. You have answered. Now, Father, help us to understand you're ready to give us more strength, give us more grace to deal with whatever this difficulty in our life is right now. Move, Holy Spirit. Move into the hearts this morning of this assembly. Thank you, Father, that your grace is available and it's all we need. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tonti Town, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.